You're locked on Bruins with Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. Thank you all for your time. It is your team, UCLA, every day. Be sure to hang with us on social media as we continue to get closer to the football season. Nick's Twitter is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. Our show Twitter is at Locked On Bruins. And if you want to drop us an email, do so at lockedonbruins at gmail.com. And please, we kindly encourage you to subscribe wherever you digest your podcasts. All right, Nick, let's first, we've got a few things to talk about. For one, Chip Kelly spoke to the media yesterday, had a couple interesting tidbits to, to kind of react to. So we'll do that. Also, we'll bring the microscope over on the tight end position, Devin Asiasi, Matt Lynch, had a conversation with the media yesterday as well. Plus, we'll get into recruiting and see how the Bruins are doing as they try to bolster their footprint in the recruiting world. Yeah, lots of lots of good stuff coming out today. It was a pretty busy Thursday. Uh, the tight end position, not something we have talked about a lot, but a team that looks like it's got some versatility there. There's some guys there that bring different things to the table. Um, it, it really excited to see what that position becomes now that Caleb Wilson is gone. And yes, part of the eight clap eighth Thursday being, uh, the eighth of August, the Bruins sending out another round uh, of offers and also getting a commitment on Thursday evening as well. In addition, uh, to all the usual news and notes coming out of practice. Well, let's start with those news and notes coming out of practice for one chip had given the media a little bit of an update on Tyree Thompson. He had surgery earlier this week. And, Nick, it sounds like Thompson, according to Chip Kelly, has a foot injury, and he says that he'll be out at least the whole fall camp and might, by the way of it, be playing by the season at some point. Yeah, he he was doubtful about the start of the season and then, didn't really have a timetable beyond that. I'd be surprised, you know, anybody getting surgery on anything. I feel like you need at least a month just, you know, in my personal experience, knowing people that have gone through any type of surgery. That'd be pretty amazing if he was able to come back for that first game. So obviously that's kind of kind of out of the question, uh, but did leave the possibility open of him coming back later. Uh, that certainly seems possible, but. You know, Chip Kelly didn't really dwell on that too much because, look, I, he's not available right now, so I got to move on and focus on other guys. And from what was seen at practice, it did look like we talked about this on yesterday's podcast. It looks like Lukeni Toyaloa is going to be that guy right now, maybe slotting next to Chris Barnes. Obviously, things can change over the next couple weeks, uh, but I like what Toyaloa has done uh, last year, really improved nicely. And you know, guys can really step up and emerge when given an opportunity like this. And uh, I think Lil Kenny's a guy that could really take advantage. No question, Nick. And Chip was also peppered with questions about Colson Yankoff, the transfer, the esteemed quarterback, the four-star out of high school who departed from the University of Washington in and is now with the Bruins. And Chip mentioned yesterday that right now, Washington is blocking Colson's immediate eligibility. He did say the UCLA can appeal, but 
the NCAA usually favors the side of the prior school on such matters. Yeah, we talked about this a couple days ago, and Chip basically confirmed what was floating uh, out in the world about this, that, yes, it was Washington holding it up. And it is it is a bummer. Uh, I think I said on that show that I could kind of, I could see where Washington's coming from a little bit, but at the same time, it it does feel a little vindictive because you're you, you're you're costing Yankoff a year of eligibility here, and UCLA isn't playing Washington this year or next year. The only chance they'd play each other is in the Pac-12 championship game, which for is somewhere Washington expects itself to be UCLA. I think we'd all be very pleasantly surprised if they ended up there. So it is very odd because at the same time, if you're Chris Peterson, what sort of message does that send to other players? You know, that you're going to potentially cost someone another year of eligibility and they haven't even played. Yeah, Nick, and I've got a couple different layers of this that I want to discuss. For one, Chris Peterson and coaching in college football in general, it's become like a Woodstock. And what I mean by that is coaches can do and go wherever they please. They're free to leave whenever. There's no penalty. Coaches don't have to sit out a year like these players. And you think about a lot of these coaches and sometimes they'll promise recruits certain things and then those coaches just do their own thing, and basically lie to recruits. But for the players, look, it's it's more difficult because I think in the NCAA level, there's not a model for players. Like, let's, let's point to the NBA. The NBA is a player-run league, and it's becoming more of that. The NFL, the same. College football... The players don't have as much say as, let's say, at the professional level. So when situations happen like this, you pointed this out. So not only does Washington not have UCLA on the schedule the next two years, including this year, but what what I look at this as, it's like, let's say one is in a relationship and Washington is the one who breaks up that relationship and they're salty And the other side is like, well, why are you salty? You didn't want me long-term in the first place. And that's kind of what Colson was. And he already sat out a year. And now you're going to punish him for bettering himself. When coaches do this all the time, when they will constantly tell players, hey, I'm staying with you, oh, only to bounce to the better gig. So I just see this as sort of a lack of empathy for the University of Washington. And and I can just feel so frustrated for, for Colson because here he is. All he wants to do is better himself. And you said this too. What message is this trying to get across that, you know, is it wrong to better yourself there's no competitive advantage because UW doesn't play UCLA the next couple of years. Like, what is the deal? Like, what is Chris Peterson trying to tell Colson? Because we know what Chip Kelly says about this, Nick. And he mentioned this yesterday that, look, we don't block anybody. Like, if you want to go, go. We want people to play for us who want to be here. And so I just see this as 
a little bit of selfishness, punishing an innocent kid. And look, if he was an all-star, if he was going to start right away, then yeah, I can feel like there might be some trepidation for University of Washington. Like, oh, we don't want him to all of a sudden light up the league. But, you know, if you had him maybe lower on the depth chart for UW, then what's the big deal if they didn't see him in as high of a light as maybe UCLA did? And again, Nick, it's just it's just frustrating. And you just you wish the best and you you hope that Colson can handle it okay because it's gotta be, you know, tough to deal with something like this. And, and all in maybe Chris Peterson is trying to get some sort of, of payback or whatnot because Jacob Eason had to sit out last year after tra- transferring to Washington. There's kind of an underlining sort of irony there, too, that the guy who is a favorite to be the starting quarterback for the Huskies is a transfer himself. And, yeah, people were fishing to get a little more out of Chip Kelly, try and get more of a rise out of him. Yeah, he just kind of stuck to his guns and said, you know, it- it's the rule. I- I've said my piece on this, uh, as you just stated, Brian, uh, but – you know, got to move on at the, you know, we'll see. I think it, they're, they're still maybe holding their head on the NCAA doing something more, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if there's an official ruling there. Um, but at this point, yeah, it seems pretty unlikely that Colson Yankoff would be able to play for the Bruins this year. Which, yeah, which means that he will lose a year of eligibility and then will not be able to be eligible until 2020. So again, if anything new comes up, about this topic we'll of course discuss in full detail and now coming up we are going to take a deep dive into the tight end position how are they going to fill the void of Caleb Wilson there's a stable of tight ends to do so and we'll break it all down next Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter if you're a Bruin fan, I mean, come on, right? If you want the latest news and observations on the team, Nick and I are both part of the Bruin Insider Show, a show that is run through IMG College Learfield that will pick back up once football season and basketball seasons start. But our own Twitters, Nick is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley, and the show Twitter is Locked on Bruins. So we got into it a bit with Colson Yankoff in kind of explaining our agony and our anger and our frustrations over Washington by them putting the stiff arm in allowing Colson to be able to play this season, even though he sat out last year. So we feel for the kid, and we just want to see the best come out of it. There's a lot to come out of the tight end position, Nick, and there are several names who seem to be playing different roles within the tight end spot. With Caleb Wilson gone, the biggest question mark is how do they fill that void, but there are so many different pieces that seem willing to step up. Tevin Asiasi was the guy who probably got the most work last year behind Caleb Wilson, made some really nice catches as well. He kind of figures to be the guy, sort of the primary guy. Certainly probably see him as the primary pass catcher as well. Nice big frame at 6'3", 279, and also run blocks pretty well. But as we saw, especially in the USC game, 
and I think it's something that will change week to week. But the Bruins are going to use two, maybe even three tight ends on some plays. They're going to get guys cycled in there. So you could see any number of guys uh, behind Asiasi. Jordan Wilson is a guy that's gotten a lot of work as a second and third tight end out there for blocking. He caught just a couple passes last year, another special team guy. Uh, he, he's a little uh, leaner than Asiasi, a little taller as well. He's a guy that can maybe stretch the field. Great. Dulcich is a guy the coaches really seem to like. Uh, and then you've got Matt Lynch. Uh, really curious to see what this looks like. And it was really interesting to hear him talk to the media and describe himself as almost kind of a, a mediator of sorts between quarterback and tight end. Uh, of course, transitioning this offseason, we talked about being in the film room and being asked by by coaches and other guys, hey, what does the quarterback want here? And so Lynch can kind of bring that expertise on over, and and he's got the size to handle it. I mean, he's 6'4", 230. That puts him you know, right there with where a guy like Jordan Wilson is. Really interesting to see how this shakes out. We, we haven't talked about it much, but I'm really curious to see how all these tight ends kind of fit together and what they do, because especially when it comes to throwing the ball, I mean, Caleb Wilson over the middle down the seam was so money for this offense last year. Do they try and use one of these players to do that type of thing again this year, or do they adapt a little bit and do some different things with multiple guys? Yeah, I got a couple of things for you, Nick. So Wilson It bears mentioning, led the nation in tight end receiving yards last year, nearly 1,000. And you look at some of the names that are expected to step in. Jordan Wilson, only two catches last year, and they came, one against Cincinnati, one against Oklahoma. That was it. Now, two years ago, Jordan Wilson had 16 catches and two touchdowns. So we have seen his role in the receiving game diminished, but maybe that will kind of resurge here. Devin Asiasi talked about Jordan Wilson being a much improved blocker. Matt Lynch said, hey, we love sets with two tight ends and three tight ends. And then one reporter asked, what about four tight ends? And he didn't really say no. He said, if anybody could master that, it's Chip Kelly. So don't rule out perhaps a situation this season when we see four tight ends. They certainly have enough of them to go around. I also noticed this too, Nick. There seems to be this trend. A lot of tight ends who have gone through the UCLA program have just left or are currently within Chip Kelly's scheme were former quarterbacks. You got Caleb Wilson, who was recruited out of college as a quarterback, and then you realize, you know what, uh, maybe I'm not suited to my best abilities at that position. He made the, the change and ended up at UCLA. Matt Lynch, obviously, making that selfless transition to tight end after being a quarterback, and he bulked up 30 pounds this year and really just really enjoyed his, his interview with the media. Nick, he was really open and comfortable And another former quarterback, Greg Dulcich. So, and he gets touted for being a crisp route runner. 
I find it very interesting that several tight ends come from a quarterback background. But like you said, Nick, what roles will all of they will they all play? Will Jordan Wilson be more heavily involved in the receiving game? Will he settle on blocking? Matt Lynch said the biggest adjustment for him from being a quarterback to a tight end is, hey, I got to make a block now. And as a quarterback, you're not really doing that. You're trying to run away from all that stuff and avoid contact. So then you have like Michael Martinez and David Preby and and others and Devin Asiasi who, look, he's gone through – you know, his own share of sitting out, like he had to transfer from Michigan, missed the whole 2017 season, and then he missed a couple games last year because of a suspension. So he's more than hungry to be out there. And it's just going to be so interesting, as you said, to see how all of these pieces are going to come together. But if there's one area, like maybe the linebacker spot, that has plenty of of substance and plenty of bodies and plenty of talent it's the tight end position it's it's a really exciting position because the possibilities seem endless both in terms of the talent out there and also just schematically what we've seen chip kelly and the coaching staff likes to do with tight ends there's so many different ways things could go and to touch on your point about former quarterbacks becoming tight ends and how they've had success. Matt Lynch talked about this. He he says he has an advantage now as a tight end because he knows where to put himself in the field, you know, like when it comes to running routes behind linebackers, because as a quarterback, he knows where he likes his tight end to be. So perhaps there's a little bit of that from what we've seen in Caleb Wilson, Dulcich, and now Matt Lynch. We've seen quarterbacks just love hitting the tight end over the middle and them helping to stretch the field. Uh, So there's probably a little bit of element of that there, too. Lynch said two days ago he was on the phone with Caleb Wilson and Caleb said there is no one better to wear my number 81 jersey than you, Matt. So Matt Lynch will have the distinct honor of wearing 81. So he moves from 15 to 81, and he was pretty sentimental about 15. He said throughout high school, whether it was baseball, basketball, or football, he was either 15 or 51 with those numbers reversed. But again, he said, look, it's for the good of the team. And he said it's also going to help because Chip Kelly wanted him to be with the number in the 80s. So that he can kind of disguise himself with the rest of the tight ends. If you see a 15 out there, then maybe you think something's up, right? So that's part of it. And Devin Asiasi, I I looked this up, Nick. His first touchdown, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of his college touchdowns happen more this year, but his first college touchdown came from a pass from Wilton Spate in 2016 at Michigan. So it's amazing how... Life kind of comes full circle, of course, Spate, formerly with the Bruins. And so both of these guys make the transition to UCLA. And now Devin Asiasi seems to be really with a calm demeanor, said all the right things at media availability yesterday, and seems to not feel the pressure, not feel overwhelmed 
by this new role he's going to have to take as one of the bigger, perhaps high-volume pass catchers at the tight end spot. Yeah, amidst all these guys we've touched about, I still think it comes all the way back around to Devin Asiasi. He is the guy out of these tight ends to watch this season. He's got the body to be a really good run blocker, and he's got the size and the athletic ability to make those tough catches in traffic, to help stretch the field, get behind the linebackers, and make those catches. And yeah, just listening to him, you know, kind of some cliches in there, nothing terribly interesting. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you, you, you saw a guy who is determined, and he is ready for this moment and ready to take advantage. That's what I took away listening to him speak. No bulletin board material from Devin Asiasi just saying it as if it's straight business. He's all about getting the job done. And it seems like the Bruins are starting to get the job done on the recruiting front. Some news about that coming up next. You're listening to Locked on Bruins. Welcome back to Locked on Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. Hop on with us on social media. Nick's Twitter is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. From Tight End Talk, we now look into the future for the Bruins. And every eighth day of the month, they make a move recruiting-wise. And Nick, what have you seen so far from UCLA on August 8th in their abilities to, to reel in the future superstars for UCLA? Yeah, so for anyone who's not familiar, this is kind of a sort of part marketing, but also, I guess, in Chip Kelly's words, helps in terms of practicality as well when it comes to offering guys, but as a way to build a little interest in excitement every month, uh, every eighth, they will uh, offer guys. And Chip Kelly says part of the reason is it does take time to, to go through guys, make sure academically they will be able to attend UCLA and just go through that whole process. So we have a host of names uh, that came out today. And the theme, Brian, is really going after those areas of need in the trenches, defensive line and offensive line. Obviously, we know right now offensive line could use a little more depth behind those starters. In defensive line, you got a, a lot of youth there. Uh, so from what we saw, there were four offers and one commitment today. Let's start with the commitment in Patrick Selna, three-star offensive tackle out of Oakland. UCLA was his only Power 5 offer, but he did get some looks from Arizona State and Cal. Really interesting, though, Patrick Selna. So earlier this week, he commits to Tulane. And then earlier uh, today, in fact, he decommits from Tulane, and then shortly thereafter, about oh six forty five local time, he then commits to UCLA. So, must have gotten word <laughs> that something was down the pipeline, got that offer, and uh, so he is committed to the Bruins now. Big guy, six seven two seventy five. Really curious to see what UCLA has planned for him. He's pretty athletic for his size, good lateral quickness, and he plays both ways as well in high school at, at Piedmont. On the D-line, really showed an ability to shrug off blocks, but then also go and chase down a ball carrier as well. And he also plays center 
on the basketball team. What I hear from what you're saying, Nick, is versatility and the ability to fill all sorts of roles. And how often do we see Chip Kelly ask one of his players to not just be a master of your maybe natural position that you grew up playing, but also get to know other positions around you? Because in case your number is called, you'll be able to get the job done, right? So this seems to be what kind of player Chip Kelly is looking for. And as you mentioned, kind of a quick move to UCLA from Tulane. We don't mind men who have commitment issues as long as they end up committing with UCLA. (laughs) Yeah, so another, uh, another offensive line commit for the class of 2020. We talked about uh, Bruno Fina uh, last week as well. And then three other offers going out. And speaking of versatility, here's a guy who's played a few different positions on the offensive line. Uh, Isaiah Tupau. I could be butchering that last name, and I apologize, but three-star offensive guard out of Sacramento going to Grand High School. Got to throw that out there because that's up uh, near where I'm from. Uh, 6'3", 3'16". He's got other offers right now from Arizona, Utah, and BYU. BYU perhaps the favorite here because Tupo is a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints, so BYU thought to be the front runner, but UCLA has shown a lot of interest in him lately. Have to wait and see. But in regards to the versatility, he's played left tackle, right tackle, right t- tackle, and right guard as well. It, it's kind of hard, Brian, when you're watching these offensive line tapes. Because you're looking at footwork, it looks good, but sometimes they're just so much bigger than everybody. It's just they're just punishing, and you know that's not going to be able to be the case at the next level. But Tupo is a guy that's just plowing over everybody in his tape. Well, yeah, I mean, Nick, you you look at versatility. You think about Boss Tagaloa. Him mentioning that he likes to to work out with the skill guys. He likes to play quarterback. Obviously, Boss Tagaloa playing quarterback is not going to happen. And then you've got guys on the D-line for UCLA. They're they're big-time nose uh, tackle right up the middle. I'm for a second blanking on his name, who he dropped from about 4'11 to 350. Yeah, Moffey. Yeah, Moffey. And Moffey, he mentioned in high school that all he had to do was kind of bull rush and – you just can't get away with that right at the college level. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's, I think it's a little hard to project where these guys are going to be, but as I go through the next couple guys, the theme here is really just size. It seems like these guys physically, when they get with this training staff at UCLA, if they do elect to go to UCLA, it's that they're going to have an opportunity to really transform their bodies uh, so a couple more guys on the defensive side. You've got Akeem Mesador, three-star defensive end out of Clearwater, Florida, by way of Ottawa. He's actually Canadian, but he's coming down to Clearwater Academy International for his fine year, final year of high school football. He is very quick off the line. He's played mostly the edge, but he's played in on the defensive line too. You got to like where he is physically at 6'3", 255. Um, and then 24-7 sports is John Garcia thinks UCLA is in the mix with him despite being a little bit late compared to other schools because Mesador has slowed down his recruitment process. Some of the other big names UCLA would be competing with right now 
West Virginia, Ole Miss, and Syracuse. The Bruins, of course, Hmm. could use more pass rushing help. They could. That was a big storyline from last year, and the lack of it put so much pressure on the secondary. And we're going to see certainly improvement at the D-line. It will be fascinating to follow all of these recruits because in the end, Nick, I know fans know this, but I think it bears mentioning again. If you're a UCLA fan, stop getting caught up in the stars, in the rankings, and what class is what, and oh, why are we only going for this ranking and, and not this? It's not about, with Chip Kelly, it's not about getting every five star. Like, how many times have we heard of a five star just completely flub it? It's about what he wants for his system. It doesn't matter what star it is. As long as the the train moves on the tracks and it's rolling, who cares? As long as you get those kind of people there, it doesn't matter. So people, I think, need to stop getting all caught up in the rankings and the numbers and all of that stuff, right? So it's just about bringing in his guys. Yeah, definitely. And and lastly, James Pogorelk. That, that, that was a real tough last name there, Brian. I don't know, I'm sure you saw his name, but P-O-G-O-R-E-L-C. Um, we'll just call him James, our buddy James. Out, Let's do uh, it. Let's go out James, of, yeah. Out of Chantilly, Virginia, also fielding offers right now from Illinois, Indiana, and Syracuse, among others. Another tall guy, 6'8", 270, seeing him listed as, and definitely has room to add more weight. Played right tackle last year in high school, his junior year. Uh, looks really good as a run blocker. Just loves getting to the next level. And shows a pretty good ability to stay low and drive his legs despite being all of 6'8". And I'm sure that the coaching staff in UCLA loves this when they look into him. He's got great grades. Yeah, I think it's telling when you watch these huddle videos and at the start, the players always have you know their name, their position. They might have contact information, maybe throw in an accolade. Not too many guys throw in their grade point average and test scores, though. And, and that's Ooh. what James does. 4.0 GPA to go along with a 1470 SAT and a 34 ACT. I don't know about you, but uh, oh. he beat he beats me three for three right there. So yeah, so that there's your roundup there. A commit from Patrick Selma, and then three more offers going out as well. So the Bruins now with uh, 11 commits for the class of 2020. Things starting to take shape. 11 commits and counting. Nick, thank you so much for providing that really detailed report on some of the potential new faces we could see being inserted into UCLA's roster and the promising future this program has. Well, that will do it for this episode of Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. Thank you so much for riding along with us throughout this week. Have a great weekend. So much to get to next week as we get back into fall camp. What's going on with some of the injuries? How's Joshua Kelly looking? Seems like he's making some progress with his injury. So we'll detail that and much more coming up next week. You're listening to Locked on Bruins.